Turn with me, please, to First uh, Samuel, the uh, second chapter, and then also Psalm 85. We began last week talking about reverence and glory. Reverence and glory. And I want us to continue today. Let's... Uh, pray a moment about this. Let's release our faith. There's many, many verses. All of them are good. Many things the Lord could direct us about this morning, but there's a specific thing and things he wants said and done. It doesn't all have to come out of my mouth. The Holy Spirit's our teacher and he can say things to you and say things to people that's not in the room, watching my internet and TV And uh, how many would release your faith with me right now? Let's join together that God will say what he wants to say and do what he wants to do. And we'll cooperate with him, you and I. Father, in the name of Jesus, we join our faith together. We agree together as touching this thing, asking for specific utterance, asking for revelation, asking for the grace and anointing for now. Asking for all of us for ears that hear and eyes that see and a heart open and receptive. Let there come a supply of the Spirit to everyone. Let there come answers to questions and direction for life and help for right now. We believe we receive it. We ask for it together. Get glory to yourself. Say what you want to say and do what you want to do. Help us to yield and cooperate with you. And we purpose not to be hearers only, but by your grace, doers, doers. And we know as we do, we will be blessed because you're so faithful to watch over the word and perform it in our lives in Jesus' holy name. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. That's the only people that get results. Not just meeting goers. Not just uh, CD and DVD players. Not just note takers. Not just book readers. Only who? Who gets miracles in their life? Who gets results in their lives? Only. Only. The doers. Now there's a reason why I say this. Years ago, I guess this was in the 80s at some point, the Lord spoke to my heart. I was, in a, I was praying about some things, and he said, there's a misconception among your circles. And when he says among your circles, I know he's talking about what we call word, faith, including charismatic and whatever, people that believe in the power of the word, people that believe in the Holy Spirit, and manifestations. So there's a misconception in your circles, among your circles. I thought, well, Lord, what? What is it? What are we thinking wrong about? He said, it is the idea that if you'll, quote, get in the word enough, it'll solve all your problems. I thought, well, yeah, <laughs> we pretty much think that. <laughs> if you'll get in the word enough, it'll solve all your problems. He said, wrong. It's only the doer of the word that gets results. Are you with me? 
Now this answers a lot of questions. You probably know people. They go to nine meetings a year. They got three closets full of books and tapes, DVDs and CDs, and they're still struggling with some of the same issues they were dealing with 20 years ago. If going to meetings would fix it, it ought to be fixed by now. If reading books and tapes would do it, it ought to be done by now. But that's not enough. How many know you only read books on praying so long and then you need to pray? You only read and listen to materials on tithing and sowing so long and then it's time to sow, tithe. I mean, you only talk about and take notes on walking in love to a point and then it's time to actually Walk in love. If you don't do it, you'll get no results. And it's possible. The Bible talks about individuals ever learning and never able. They're always learning but never able to learn and walk free. Why? Not doers. Just talkers about it. Note takers. DVD players. But not doers. Come on, somebody say it out loud. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I need to go a little further with this. The prophet talks about in the scriptures, he said, the people come to me as one, and they listen to me as one that has a lovely voice and as one that can play well on an instrument. And they hear your words, but they will not do them. And that is exactly our generation today. What do you mean? We live in an entertainment generation where people are so accustomed to being entertained. To watch something, to listen to something, and then say, next, show me something else. To play a good DVD, to play a good CD, and hear it and shout about it and go, that's good, that's good. Where's the next one? So what's wrong with that? A lot. A lot. We're supposed to be listening, thinking, how do I do this? Come on now. We're supposed to be here. Every service, every CD, every DVD, every book we're supposed to be going, how is this going to change my life? What am I supposed to do differently now? What am I supposed to stop? What am I supposed to start? What am I supposed to change? And people don't listen like that. They just listen and go, glory to God, give me another one. Praise the Lord, let's watch some more. Oh, that was wonderful. Where's the next meeting? Let's go. And that's how you bump along for 20 and 30 and 40 years and can quote all kind of scriptures and got all kind of notes and materials and are still in bondage in areas. Who gets results? Come on, help me out now. Who gets results? Not just doers, only the doers. Who gets miracles in their life? Only those who do. The scripture. Who gets the blessings of tithers? Only tithers. (laughs) Whose faith works by love? Only people who actually walk in love. Only. Who has miracles? Who pleases God? Who overcomes by faith? 
Not he who has the most faith books. Or she who's been to the most faith meetings and faith seminars. No, no. It's only the people who actually walk by faith. And how many know you can have four stickers on your car and three on your refrigerator? Faith stickers and Christian stickers and walk in unbelief. Well, this is going over big, isn't it? I mean, this is, whoo. <laughs> it's true anyway. Did you hear where, it, there's an answer here. There's an answer. Because there are people that are frustrated. They are frustrated. They have been to so many meetings. They have listened to so many books and tapes and DVDs. And they've done so much counseling and so much talking and praying with their friends. And they are just as bad off in some areas as they were 25 years ago. And some worse. And the word cannot fail. God cannot fail. Does not fail. So it can't be with God. It can't be with the word. It can't be with faith. But what it is, is people don't realize they are not doers in that area. They've talked it so much, they think they're a doer, but they're not. I know where prosperity is concerned. Phyllis and I had known some things for a few years. I'd been to Bible school. We were in the ministry for a couple of years and still struggling, struggling, struggling. And I got serious about seeking God about prosperity and about these things. And the Lord began to minister to me. And the first thing he began to show me, he said, son, you know it, but you're not doing it. I could preach it. I knew it. He said, but you're not doing it. And he began to take me. He took me to Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. I knew that scripture. He said, you're not doing it. So don't assume you're doing things because you know them. Are y'all with me now? And in any area of your life where you're not getting results, what can you assume? I'm not doing the word. In that area of my life. Don't be too prideful. Don't be argumentative. It's just a fact. When you do the word. You get results. Every time. Everybody. God cannot fail. His word cannot fail. Somebody say that loud again. I'm a doer. Not just a talker. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. Of the word of God. I'm a doer. Bible says the man that does. He'll be blessed. He will be blessed. 1 Samuel 2, are you there? 1 Samuel 2, 29, something that a lot of you probably have heard and know, but let's talk about it again. Well, actually, verse 30 for time's sake. Let's just skip to the end of verse 30. He said, them that honor me, I will honor. They that despise me, Shall be lightly esteemed. God says them that honor me. I will honor. Would you know it. When God honors you. Oh yeah. One of the greatest ways. He honors us. Is by the manifestation. Of his presence. (laughs) God is everywhere. But he's not manifested to the same degree everywhere. There are places on the planet where you could fly in today and get off the plane. And it feels like 
God is not there. People talk, they say, man, this is a, a God forsaken place. This is, I mean, it feels like devils are there and running the show. But God's there. Three people think so. <laughs> How many have read the psalm where he talks about, if I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the wind and go to the farthest parts of the ocean, you're there. You're there. That's why it's so silly to try to run from God. How are you going to get away from God? You know, Jonah tried, didn't he? I mean, they didn't have airplanes, but the best way to travel long distances in those days was by boat. And he bought him a ticket on the next boat out of there. And he got in the hole. He tried to get as far away from God as he could. And God was right there. He was there. He was there when the storm was going on. He was there when the great fish swallowed him. He was there when he, uh, you know, spewed him out on the land. He was there when Jonah got ready to preach. How many think it pays to obey God right off the bat? Just (laughs) to begin with (laughs) and not go through all that ugly stuff. (laughs) Seaweed wrapped around your head. How many think that'd be a very unpleasant place to be inside the digestive system of some marine animal? (laughs) And yet there's a number of people going through stuff similar because they won't obey God. They won't listen to him. Somebody say, not me. But you can take the fastest plane. You can go to the furthest, most remote island and get behind a palm tree and God will say, hey. What are you doing here? You can't get away from God. He's everywhere. But he's not manifested to the same degree everywhere. There are places, like we said, where it feels like he's not even there. And yet he's there. And there are other places. You can sense his presence by the time you set your foot on the ground. By the time you are around or in a Involved in a meeting or whatever. You can sense his presence. Well, he's there in greater manifestation. And he's honoring those who are there. Who are honoring him. Are y'all with me now tonight? He's honoring those who are honoring him. There was revelation right there. I don't know if you got it or not. What about the place where you don't sense his presence at all? Well, the people there are not honoring him. Oh, can you see this? A lot of times they don't even believe in him. Much less show him any respect. Well, then so he is not manifested. The Holy Spirit manifests himself more where he is respected more. Where he is reverenced and honored more. Is that true or not? What do you think? If that's true then are there things you and I can do to initiate a greater manifestation of the presence and glory of God? Is it true? Then we ought to be doing it. God honors who? Who? Those who honor Him. Well, would that be true progressively? What do you mean? God honors those more 
who honor him more. He honors those less who honor him less. In fact, the rest of the phrase went on to say, those that despise him would be lightly esteemed. Now, in our modern vernacular, we think of the word despise almost as the word disgust. And it's not. In Bible usage, to simply fail to acknowledge is despising. Because you're treating something as trivial and insignificant and unimportant. And this is one of the biggest problems that the church has today. We're still suffering from the rebellion of the 60s and 70s. Whole generations lost precious things pertaining to respect and honor and dignity. And we live in a society in a world where millions know virtually nothing about honor. It's just the truth. And whatever is in the world and prevalent in the world tends to get in the church. And so you and I have been more affected by it than we'd like to think. Oh, you see it. You see it. Some of the repercussions of the rebellion of the 60s and actually 50s and 60s and 70s, nothing is sacred. Everything is no big deal. (laughs) Ah, just chill. No biggie. Whatever. And that, our casualness, is costing us. It's costing us in the anointing of God and the glory of God and the power of God, the presence of God. It's been costing us tremendously. Our casualness is costing us. People come to church and they look like and act like they're going to the beach. Cutoffs, tank tops, flip-flops, it's all cool. It's all fine. So, well, what's wrong with God doesn't just see clothes? He doesn't. Well, I don't have money to buy a bunch of dress clothes. It's not about that. It's about an attitude. It's about a heart. Maybe you got one pair of jeans and they got three holes in them. That's not a problem to God. But on church day, you ought to wash them and iron them. Are you listening? Ain't about clothes. I know about not having clothes. When I first got in the ministry. Didn't have anything. I didn't, I didn't have any dress clothes. Nothing. And in going to Bible school, we were able to get two cheap, cheap, cheap <laughs> little sport coats and a pair of pants or so. And I'd alternate them every other day. But believe in God for better. Amen. But it's not. And people say, well, I, you know, I don't like to wear a tie. Nobody said you had to wear a tie. 
I don't like to wear a dress. Who said you had to wear a dress? See, people get hung up things and want to excuse their casualness. Casualness has to do with your heart. It's the way you carry yourself. It's the way you approach a thing. It's the way you hear it. It's the way you see it. And so you got people sitting up in church. And they got a whole picnic spread out around them. <laughs> They're smacking and slurping. Hmm? I'm say, what's wrong with that? I get hungry sometimes. This is not the place to eat. That's not right. <laughs> well, I have to eat something every 10 minutes. And as long as you say that, you'll have to do it the rest of your life. If you really did need that, then there's a discreet way to do it until you, you know, you believe for your healing. But so much of it is just an excuse, isn't it? Just an excuse for disrespect. People smacking gum, clipping their nails, texting everybody in the service. Well, I'm texting my sister that's on the row behind me about what I'm getting. That's not okay. That's not okay. It's unspiritual. You're doing that. You are in your head, not spirit. People make all kind of excuses for disrespect. And yet people get out of that ditch and they cross the road and get in the ditch on the other side and everything is absolutely rigid. Little kids are scared to move because mama will hurt them. Mama will will hurt them. And forget having any fun because that's sacrilegious. That's just... Neither of those is truth. Neither of those is God. God is wonderful. We're supposed to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. We're supposed to be able to lift up our hands and lift up our voices and praise and worship God in honor. Never in disrespect. In efforts to be free, people have crossed the line and are disrespectful and too loose, too casual. And it's costing. It's costing in services and costing in ministry. God honors who? Those who honor Him. Now, for time's sake, don't. We won't look at Psalm 85 right now. Go with me, if you would, to uh, Isaiah 11. Mm. Before you do that, go to Deuteronomy. (laughs) Deuteronomy 14. This is a big subject. And so I'm having to kind of narrow it down a little bit. 
Go to Deuteronomy, please, for now, 14. This is a concept that many have not thought about, and yet it's something that it's why we're teaching what we're teaching right now. We're embarking on this right now, and it is the teaching of the fear of the Lord. Deuteronomy 14. Are you there? Deuteronomy 14 and verse 23. It says, this is actually uh, talking about tithing. Verse 22, you'll tithe all the increase of the seed. Verse 23, you'll eat it before the Lord your God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there. Down in the last phrase, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. Somebody say learn Learn. to fear the Lord. Skip on down to the 17th chapter of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 17, 18. Now this is something in, uh, that you can practice every day. He said the king, when he sits on the throne, this is Deuteronomy 17, 18, he shall write him a copy of the law, this law, in a book out of that which is before the priest and the Levites. They didn't have printing presses in those days. Most people couldn't even read. And he's, the Lord said he is to get him a personal copy of the word of God. And he's to keep it with him and read it all his days. Keep reading. It'll be with him, verse 19. He shall read therein all the days of his life. How long? Well, once you've read it a time or two, isn't that good enough? He shall read therein all the days of his life. Why? That he may learn what? To fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand and to the left, to the end he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. He should read in the word... That he may learn, somebody say learn, learn Learn to fear the Lord. This hasn't been taught to much of a degree. What are you saying, Brother Keith? The fear of the Lord is to be taught and learned. And people assume, I know it. I was brought up pretty good. I'm respectful. I know the fear of the Lord. When were you taught it? When were you taught the fear of the Lord? And how have you been applying yourself to learn the fear of the Lord? No, this is a deficiency in the body. And that's what we're, we're doing right now in this series. We've embarked upon this. But to be receptive, you must acknowledge that I need to and I can learn the fear of the Lord. And if you have learned some things, praise the Lord. But you'd be very foolish to think you've learned it all. Or even most of it. Said out loud, I need to to, and I can can. learn learn 
the fear of the Lord. Now, if you weren't with us last week, we went into some detail, particularly us charismatics and faith folks don't like the word fear. Because we've been taught that we've been freed from fear and delivered from fear, and we have. And we haven't been given the spirit of fear to bondage. We've been delivered from all fear. We have no fear of death. But yet the New Testament talks about the fear of God. New Testament. Let me give you some scriptures. Hold your place there. Put a finger or, or something there. And I'm, I'm just going to read some of these to you. In the New Testament, the Bible talks about, verse, we read this last week. Don't turn to these. Just listen. Hebrews 5, 7 says, God heard Jesus' prayers in that he feared God. Jesus feared God, feared the Father. And his prayers were heard because of his fear of God. The New Living says his deep reverence. 2 Corinthians 7.1, New Testament now. Having these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness, how? In the fear of God. This is New Testament. In the fear of God. Ephesians 5.21 says, submit yourselves one to another in the fear, in what? In the fear of God. If this doesn't sound right to us, it's because of how deficient we are in the teaching on it. What is the fear of God? Well, Hebrews Uh, makes a qualifier. We read this last week, but I'll read it to you again. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, uh, verse 28, whereby receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with what? Reverence and what? Godly fear. Now this is a qualifying word. What kind of fear? Godly fear. Godly fear. Uh, hold, if you can't hold your place in Deuteronomy, go to Romans 13. Now, I've already mentioned one very important benefit of growth in this. Keep it in the forefront of your thinking. God does what to those that honor Him? Honor. He honors those who honor Him. What about those who honor Him more? He honors them more. One of the greatest ways he honors us is with his presence. Have you ever experienced the presence of the Lord? Come on now. Have you ever experienced? He's everywhere, but he's not everywhere manifested to the same degree. I've been walking with him now for a number of years. And there's been days that I knew he was there, but it was mostly by faith. Didn't feel so much like he was there. And then there's been other times. Glory to God. When God come get in the chair with you. What do you mean, Brother Keith? He can manifest himself in you, on you, around you, more real than any natural thing. More real than any human person that you know. I've been in services 
where it felt like an uphill battle, man. I mean, you felt like you were the only one in the house that believed it. (laughs) And everybody else is just wishing you'd close. (laughs) I've been there. And you did not sense the strong manifestation of the anointing and the presence of God. I've been in other places. Glory to God, where three hours went by and you didn't even know it. Man, I mean, you're just looking going, glory to God, that's not right. <laughs> presence of God so strong that you forget what you're doing and where you are. And if you haven't experienced some of this, You need to get hungry for it and seek and pursue because God fills those that hunger and thirst after his right things. Why am I saying all this? Is there anything we can do that could initiate a stronger manifestation of the presence of God in our living room, our car, our house? Our church, our media, is there something we can do? Draw nigh unto him and, and what? He'll respond. He'll draw near to you. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And those that honor him, he will honor. It's written. It's in the Bible. It can't fail. It can't be any other way. You know it yourself in your own life. People who don't respect the things of God, your acquaintances, your business associates, your own family, how much can you share with them? Are you limited? I've been to some places with people and the Lord gave me something for their ministry for their situation before I got there kept me up half the night talking to me about it I was excited about it and when I got there I was there for a week never could get it out never could talk to them about it never could get it out so I says why just if you know it just spit it out Uh uh-uh you're not supposed to don't cast your pearls before swine don't give that which is holy to the dogs. What does that mean? Don't give precious, valuable things to those who have no appreciation for them. Or no respect for them. No honor. That's what honor means. The word honor and the word glory, you know, are from similar words and sometimes the same word that has to do with weighty, heavy. But I think sometimes we haven't seen the commercial application. The word heavy had to do with trading. I mean, they didn't have, you know, paper currency uh, so much like we do now. If you wanted something, they pulled out the scale. Didn't they? If it was real nice, they put the heavy weight on one side. And to fill up the other side with gold or silver until it balanced out. If it was really expensive, you put the big heavy, heavy. Somebody say heavy. Heavy. Weighty, so the more valuable it was, the heavier it cost. So when we're talking about honor and glory, we're talking about attaching great value to something. Attaching great worth 
to it. Didn't Jesus say, take heed how you hear. For the measure you meet there with it. That's how it will be measured back to you. What does that mean? The measure of what? How do you measure the way you hear? The measure of reverence and respect and honor and value that you hear it with determines the measure of revelation and light and manifested presence of God that comes. And if we're just light people and everything's light and no biggie and whatever, you don't just go to church and flip a switch and turn into somebody else for church time. (laughs) You got to practice that in daily life to develop in it. It's no wonder so many of our services are so lightweight because the vast majority of the people they want to dash in tell me something that makes me think let me go this is okay but I got stuff to do but friend if we can grow I said if we can grow in reverence somebody say reverence reverence there's been other places I've been And you could tell, man, you could tell by the time you saw them, by the time you got on the ground. These people are hungry. They're so respectful. And it's not just respect for flesh, for a man. It's respect for God that calls and anoints and appoints and gives utterance. It's all respect for God. And I've been in places like that where revelation is coming out of me. I wasn't even wanting to talk about some things. And you could just see. How many understand? In order to hear, one thing is you got to be quiet. Interrupting is the opposite of honoring. I served with Brother Hagen for years. And more than once, people always wanting to see him, always wanting to talk to him. And I can understand why. But a few times he'd. Try to make it work. I'm, he's having services. He's preaching all the time. And I remember somebody's coming in to see him. He made a few minutes to see him. And I got up to go. He said, no, you just stay. So I sat down. They came in and started talking. And they talked. And they talked about what they had experienced and what they felt and what they thought and what they imagined and what they felt and what they thought and what they had experienced and their perception of it and their call and their anointing and their experience, and what they felt. (laughs) And I'm sitting there thinking, you should be quiet. Of course, I didn't say anything. (laughs) Not my place. But I'm just in my immaturity, my youth, I was thinking, you should be quiet. And I've seen it more than once. They'd finally, you know, kind of sputter to a close, and he'd say, well, it was good to meet you. I've got a meeting in about 10 minutes. I've I got to go and get up and leave. And they look at me like, I didn't get any time. Yeah, you did. You just wasted it. There's way too much talking. And it's disrespectful. I said it's disrespectful. We live in a society where it's okay for students to just talk their teachers down. 
It's okay for people to just, teenagers, to interrupt their parents right and left. And parents get into shouting matches. Ignorance. And what happens is over the course of training and upbringing, honor is not taught. And if you don't learn it with parents, you don't learn it at home, you won't know it at church, you won't know it at school, you won't know it in the job force. (laughs) It's really quiet now. Is it wrong? Am I telling you wrong? No. Who does God honor? Those who honor Him. Who does He honor more and greater? Those who honor Him more. How are you going to know the fear of the Lord? You got to learn it. And it should be taught. Let's look at a little bit more of that. Say it out loud. I I will will learn learn the fear of the Lord. Second Kings 17. Well, don't, don't turn there. Let me just read this to you. Second Kings 17, 28 says, One of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel. 1728. And what did he do? He taught them how they should fear the Lord. Can this be taught? Can it be learned? Does it need to be learned? Oh, it needs to be learned. We talked about this last week, but I think it'll bear repetition. How many think that around the throne of God this morning in heaven, there are people clipping their nails? (laughs) Are there people standing around the throne this morning going, yeah, yeah. This is just fine. I thought it'd be something like this. Neat. When's lunch? <laughs> that lightness. That. Hmm? Do you think they're that way at the throne of God this morning? No, they're not. I said, no, they're not. How should we be? Didn't he say, pray, thy will be done on earth as it is? How should we be? Not scared with a negative fear. Not so tight and bound that we can't do anything. But yet there should be a deep reverence in us. Something that runs down into the core of our being. We know how to have fun. We know how to play. But we know how to get serious in a split second. Right? And we're watchful not to cross the line in being disrespectful. There's laughing and having fun, and you can cross the line into disrespect quickly if you're ignorant and not paying attention. There's so much stuff that is disrespectful nowadays. The way husbands and wives talk to each other. The way parents and children talk to each other. Grandparents, grandchildren. Men and women of God, where they talk to each other, where they treat each other, where they act with each other. How many believe there ought to be a dignity about the things of God? There ought to be an honor. I mean, when you're doing it for the Lord, it ought to take on a completely different feel and approach and atmosphere. 
Instead, people do it lax. It's prevalent throughout churches that people don't treat the sound as seriously in their church as they would if a well-known group was coming to play. They don't treat the video as well if it was some movie star coming. Did you hear me? I've heard people say, well, that's good enough for the church. It was wore out from their business. Now they're going to take it to the church. (laughs) That's good enough. That's good enough for gospel music. That's good enough. Friend, this is blatant despising. Is it? This is despising. And what did the Lord say about those that despise him? They would be lightly esteemed. That's the way he's going to look at you and treat you. Glory to God. Just close your eyes right now. Just lift up your hand. Say, Lord, I reverence you. I respect you. I honor you. Worship him just a little bit. Practice the fear of the Lord. Lord, I I reverence you. I reverence you. I reverence you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me give you another verse or two, and then let's practice this. I think you could practice it better with this in mind. There's a word. Go to Psalm 33, please. When we, like we said, when we say fear, a lot of folk just turn it off immediately because they think, well, I'm delivered from all fear. And we are delivered from fear. We're not supposed to be motivated by fear, led by fear, be in bondage to fear in any shape, form, or fashion. And yet, this is true too. The fear of the Lord. It sounds foreign because we haven't heard it enough. But this word in Psalm 33, I like in describing this. Psalm 33 and 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as in heap. He lays up the depth in storehouses. Let's just stop right there. Do you believe this? What happened by the word of his mouth? All the host of heaven, every star, every planet, every system, by the word and breath of his mouth, came into existence. See, that's why people want to try to tear apart creation and replace it with some other theory. Because then it excuses disrespecting God. People want to believe we pulled ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We... uh, We were swimming along in the goo and just decided I can do better. And through sheer effort and willpower, stepped out and started breathing air and then uh, grew a tail (laughs) and then jumped down out of the tree one day and said, I'm a man. Here I am. I don't need anybody's help. 
See, the whole thing with this is I'd, we don't need any, there is no God. We don't need anybody's help. And that is the biggest fool on the planet because you can't even breathe your next breath, your next heartbeat. Every revolution of the planet, the sun shining, all things are upheld by the word of his power. And if that's real to you, you show some respect. Faith and honor go hand in hand. The more faith you have, the more you honor God. That is, the more you believe in him, the more real he is to you, the more you honor him. And that's what he said. All the host of the heavens, they're made by the breath of his mouth. All the the waters of the sea, the depth he has in storehouses. Verse 8, get this. Let all the earth do what? Fear. Fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world do what? Stand in awe of him, for he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Stand in awe of him. I like that phrase to describe the fear of the Lord. Don't you? He used them together. Let all the earth fear the Lord. And then he said, let them stand in awe. In awe. How many understand a lot of Christian activity has come far short of this word awe. Somebody say awe. Stand in awe of him. That's deeper than praise the Lord. Stand in awe. Look at another one of these. Psalm 89. What we have to do is remind ourselves of reality. Since we have to walk by faith, you can just live a natural carnal life and only be aware of this, what we see and feel, and act like this life is going to go on forever. But soon and very soon, he's coming back, or we'll all be out of here, we'll live out our life. How many know in just a few days, a few breaths, you're going to be standing at the throne? In just a few days. It's not going to be long. You're going to be out of here. All of us are going to be out of here. This is changing. This cannot keep being like this. We need to go ahead and start thinking like that now. We need to get this mentality. Not the world mentality. But the mentality of the rest of our existence. He said, let all the earth fear him. Stand in awe of him. Psalm 89, are you there? Verse 7. 89, 7. God is greatly to be feared. Where? In the assembly of the saints. And to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto you? Are your faithfulness round about you? You rule the raging of the sea. When the waves arise, you still them. The New Living says in verse 6, Who in the heavens can compare with the Lord? What mightiest angel is anything like the Lord? 
The New Living, verse 7, the highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. He is far more awesome than all who surround his throne. Those who are light about him are those who don't know him. Those who know him, who've touched his holiness, who've been touched by his presence, show him greater respect, show him greater honor. People give their self away talking about God and about the things of God, their lightness, their being so frivolous about things reveals they don't know him. They don't know him. He loves them, but they don't know him. But you show me somebody that's really been in his presence, that has experienced something of him, they don't talk about him like they went to Disney World. Did you hear me? Oh, yeah, it was neat. Yeah, wow. It was great. No, there's something deeper. There's something deeper down inside them because they've touched the Ancient of Days, the one who sits on the throne, the one who sees all of eternity at once and knows the end from the beginning. Oh, can you sense it right now? What are we doing? We're exercising the fear of the Lord. And what do we sense? We're honoring him. What does he turn right around and do? Honors us. Oh, glory to God. Oh, just begin to praise him right now. Oh, Father, we stand in awe of you. Everybody stand up. Lift up your hands. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, Father, we worship you. We worship you. Oh, forgive us for lightness. Forgive us for not esteeming you highly enough and your things highly enough. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. Help us to reverence you, reverence you, reverence you. Godly fear and reverence. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.